Gets Up House. Um, same church, new location. We've, we've been in practice for this kind of moving, and here we are again. Really glad to have you. Um, we have been revisiting the definition of church over the last couple of years, trying to rewire our minds to understand that a church is not a building. A church is a people. And the circumstances of the last four years have been incredibly helpful to help us remember that the church is not a building. Uh, we are a people. We came here uh, four years ago because we knew and loved people in Port Orchard. And we knew some statistics about this place. And we knew that 91% of the community here does not practice a worship of God on a regular basis. There's a, a total 9%. All Catholics, Protestants, non-denom, throw all of us together. And there's a grand total of 9% of us who've committed our uh, life to the practice of worship. And because we believe, because we believe that Jesus is access to the most abundant life now and forever. We found it incredibly important to come and to move in near the people that we knew and loved in Port Orchard and to create another opportunity to come and explore the way of Jesus, to come and uh, meet Jesus where he is. Way back, way back in 2019, we had this like naive and sweet idea that if we would just meet for worship at South Kitsap High School every week for an hour, we were just so sure that we would be introducing people to the way of Jesus. And that a community of people who practiced his way could grow up around that one hour service. But then COVID revealed something that was already true. It was already true. We just hadn't fully comprehended it yet that most of the 91% of our neighbors are not going to bed on Saturday night thinking, you know what, I'd really love to explore who God is again. I think what I'll do is I'll go find a building to walk into tomorrow and find God. I mean, I say that facetiously, but honestly, that was already true that most of our neighbors are not waking up thinking the place I'm going to go meet with God is in a one-hour service on a Sunday morning. We just hadn't learned that yet. It does happen, might be how you came in today, but it's just not the norm. I'm convinced that you have to be really curious about Jesus to set aside football for a worship service. Or if you have had a bad experience with church, you have to trust somebody a whole lot to come back in and try worshiping in a new place again. Or you have to, in these days, like have a lot of social media posts from a church to scroll through to find out politically where that church stands to decide if you're going to be offended from the minute you walk in the door or not. You know what I'm saying? The world is different and COVID, while creating a lot of really awful things, I don't want to be too blasé about that. Um, COVID's had some real repercussions in my life and in people's lives that are still wreaking havoc. So I'm not passing over that. But I'm saying in the terms of what it means for us to form a church, COVID has been a very helpful crucible to make clear what's really important and how to connect with people. So four years and 10 locations later, 
I am very sure about one thing. God has a plan. God has a plan. He has a plan for you and me. And more importantly, God has a plan for his church. And for how he's going to go about connecting God with his church. So, how did we end up looking at the book of Ephesians? We're starting the book of Ephesians today. How did we end up there? Because I believe that this is a real season to allow God to redefine what is the church? What does the church look like? Why does she exist? What does it look like? How did we end up with one hour on a Sunday as our definition of church? We're not going to unpack all of that today, but I think Ephesians is going to be a really helpful guide to get us there. And I'm especially excited about today's passage because where we start is with this incredible assurance that God has a plan. He's got you and he's got us. And you're sitting in a seat that will remind you of that today as we unpack our story and the story of Ephesians. So let me start Ephesians at the beginning of the book. I'm going to start with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And it starts this way. Hear God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace, grace, and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just pause there. I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord. And you respond, thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Um, Father, as we open just even the tiniest bit of your word, Lord, would you already be speaking by your spirit to us? Grace and peace to you. Lord, would we walk away more assured that we are actually safe with you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, this letter, this is a letter, and it starts with coming from this guy, Paul. Um, Paul is someone who started walking the way of Jesus later in life. He was previously named Saul. That was his former name. And when he was Saul, he was hyper-religious in a way that was against all things Jesus in a pretty dramatic way. And then he had an encounter with Jesus, like mid-career of his hyper-religious life, and everything changed. He had an encounter with the risen Jesus. Paul lived He was alive when Jesus was born and died and rose again. But Paul did not meet him until after uh, after he had risen. So he had this supernatural vision experience where he encountered the risen Christ. And from that point forward, his whole life changed to now share about the way of Jesus. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. I thought this was fun. I got this map today from a friend of mine who just spent all of last month visiting congregations of Afghan people, Afghani believers throughout the region of Turkey. And this is where they are now. This is where they're worshiping now. This is the region now that Paul is writing to, to encourage them about the way of Jesus. So it's important for you to grab hold of the fact that Paul is a real person, right? He's writing to real people in a real place where people still worship Jesus today. This is exciting to me. Paul wrote a lot of letters to local churches. Most of the time he was writing a letter to a church because something was going really wrong. They were having leadership trouble. 
They were having really out of control worship services. There were sexual problems within the congregation. There was a call for reconciliation across racial lines. There were a group of people who were just stinking rule followers, like no grace in their church at all. So I'm really glad he wrote these letters because we're past all of that. Church just doesn't struggle with any of those things anymore. No, it's like we still need this word today, honestly, right? Super relevant letters. Ephesians is unique because nothing is obviously wrong in Ephesus <laughs> yet. <laughs> It'll come up in Revelation. We're not going to get there today. Um, what this first letter to Ephesians is, it's just this gorgeous, like, magnificat of um, what the church is meant to be. The capital C church. He's, he's waxing eloquent about who has God has designed the church to be. So I, I love this because it's, it's a letter that could be read to any church, anywhere, any generation. This is what the way of Jesus looks like when you live together. This is what the church can be. So you can imagine why I was drawn to this letter. As we begin as a church to help us define, what do we, when we say the word church at Kitsap House, what do we mean? We've chosen not to use the word church in our name. How do we define what it is to be a church? We're on the, we're on the cusp of becoming our own church in January, which um, from a state perspective means that we're going to have our own tax ID, our own bylaws, our own board. Isn't this so exciting? Our own bank account is so awesome. I like get so pumped about this. <laughs> now this is, how the, this is how the state defines church. This is not how Jesus defined church. So what is the church? I think Ephesians is going to help us. It's the manifesto of God's plan for the church. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Given to Paul who maybe like us, was looking to make a significant change away from a religion defined by rule following and looking to define church as a faith community that follows the way of Jesus. It's redefined here in Ephesians. He starts, he pulls out this like super classic preacher move. You guys may not have learned this, but in seminary, they teach us this cool move. It's not squatting like in a gym, but this is like bona fide. It's called, it's called the pray preach moment. You guys familiar with the prayer preach move? This is the moment when the parent is blessing dinner, but preaching at you while they pray. Do you know this moment? Dear God, would you please help my son make the right decision tomorrow and bless this food in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys know this move? Are you, have you used this move? Okay. This is Paul's move. This is how he opens the letter to Ephesians. It is a tremendous pray preach. And his goal is to both praise God and instruct everybody listening about who the church is. He's going to define the identity of the church. As he praises God. So let's let Paul praise preach. Pray preach to us. 
I'm going to begin in verse 3 and I'm going to read a chunk for us. Listen for the plan of God for his church. Listen to how he identifies what he's speaking over, what he's preaching to his people as he prays to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him. I mean, is he, even, is he really praying? Yes. Okay. We're still praising God. Listen to what we were praising him for. In him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into full effect when the times have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things, here's his big purpose statement, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head in Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out how many things? Everything. All things in accordance and conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ Jesus might be for the praise of his glory. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause there. How does God define the church? He defines us based on everything that he has done for us in Christ Jesus. Let me just bullet point Paul's prayer here. Um, first of all, let me, let me give you a little side. If you're not familiar with reading scripture, he keeps using the word Christ. Christ is one of the titles for Jesus. It's the word that means Messiah. It's the word that Paul's rule-following religion, they were waiting for this person who would carry this title of Christ, this person who would save them from their sins. And he's saying, in Jesus, in Christ, we have everything that God always promised through this, um, through this faith, through this Jewish faith. So listen to this bullet point. God has blessed us in Christ. He has chosen us in him. He's predestined us through Jesus Christ. We have redemption through his blood. He has made known the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ. We were chosen in him. We were predestined according to his plan. We are for the praise of his glory when we hope in Christ. When we want to go about defining the church, we don't have to burn the whole thing down and start over. We can start right here with where God started. We don't need a church based on what we need in 2022. We need a church based on the finished work of Christ, on what he has done for us, on how he defines us when we get together. And the first point, the beginning point for defining the church is based on how God connects us to himself in Christ Jesus. And that, that connection with God begins with blessing. He blesses our socks off. He starts with, you are defined by having every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. 
We just finished talking about blessing in the series. You can go pick it up on the podcast where we talked about the overarching blessing of shalom, well-being, the mission statement of this gym, God's idea, shalom, wholeness, joy, well-being, fullness, provision, all God's idea, all his work, all the full blessing that is given to us in Christ Jesus. And then that like bullet point just runs like, gosh, just get yourself excited about all that God has given us. He's chosen people. God could have chosen horses. He could have chosen gardens. He could have chosen birds, beautiful things that don't talk back, (laughs) right? He could have chosen, but he chose people to form in his image so that we could walk with him in the garden, so that we could delight with him in horses and birds and stars and moons and all the things. He predestined us to be part of his family. He chose us for relationship. And then he keeps choosing people. Even when they reject him, the very first people that he walked with distrusted him at the slightest suggestion that God might have been withholding from them. That God might not be fully trustworthy. They turned their backs on God. They thought they could choose between good and evil on their own terms. They rejected his blessing and his way. And by doing that, they actually aligned themselves not with God, but but with a liar, with a deceiver, who would keep at the work of separating God and people and sowing distrust between one another. And still God didn't give up on people. He still kept choosing them. And so he set in plan, in place a plan to get us back, to win us back to connection with him. We got a glimpse of it with Adam and Eve in the beginning. When they reject him, they are hide from God and they are full of shame. And his solution is to sacrifice animals, to cover them in animal skins so that they'll be comfortable being in front of one another and with him again. And then he gave them a promise in that moment that one of their descendants, a seed of Adam, would crush the deceiver and would save them. From the beginning, God chose and kept on choosing. And then verse 6 in Ephesians picks up where he's going to pick up this plan, where he picks up that he is going to um, offer us redemption This grace he gives us freely in the one he loves, the descendant of Adam, Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. God sent his own son, fully God, fully man, descendant from from Adam, fulfilling all the promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ, who died as a sacrifice to cover us, to make smaller the gap between God and us and between one another. His death was sufficient for all the grace we need today. And he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead and now his resurrection power is at work, reuniting us despite everything that's happened this year, reuniting us with God. God is still in the business of choosing us. Even when like Adam and Eve were rebellious and walk away, 
even when we're like Saul and self-righteous and think we earn our own way to God, he comes after both of us. Jesus is not dead, he's alive, and he's choosing us, and his death redeems us. This is the starting place for the definition of the church. Who are we? We are those, as he preached, prayed, right? This magisterial text of identity. We are those who are connected to God through Christ Jesus. We are. And then in this fascinating turn, the end of the prayer, he keeps on preach praying about us, but all of a sudden now he's preach praying about you. Because when you want to understand the redemption story of God, he doesn't leave you out of it. It's a story about us, and it's also a story about you. Listen to verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For those of you who are new to reading scripture, you might not realize that there are like all these trigger words in this first passage that have risen up all kind of firestorms in the church. They've split churches and congregations and they've spilled just an enormous amount of ink about what God meant. I don't intend to split or spill anything today, okay? So you might be disappointed if you like these kind of debates. But these trigger words are these words chosen, predestined, sealed with the Holy Spirit. These words are not meant to be fuel for a great debate, believe it or not. These words are meant to give you radically deep assurance, radical security in who God is and what he has done for us. I've been re-watching Parts of the Crown, which is the Netflix show about the royal family. And I watched, again, the episode where of the coronation of King Charles, and then they, like, flip back and forth with the the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. And there's this moment where little Elizabeth is helping her dad prepare for his coronation vows, and she stumbles over the word inviolable. It's very... Stumpable, inviolable. And Charles explains to young Elizabeth that the word inviolable means that the vows that he's taking to be king cannot be revoked. That from the moment that the anointing oil that anoints him as king hits his hands and his chest and his head, and he takes the vow, that there's a special communion that is now... um, created between God and his role as king. And that relationship, as they understand it, is inviolable. It cannot be undone. So then they do, you know, this really snazzy flash forward to Queen Elizabeth, and she's helping the archbishop who stumbles over the word inviolable. And you see in herself that she's taking this moment, she's taking this vow, and she knows that she's entering into an undoable relationship with God. So she's anointed and she takes that vow. Okay, did she choose it? 
Well, she was born for it. People have a serious problem with the monarchy today. Do they not? You got, I don't see, not all of you are following the royalty news. Okay, well, they're struggling with it. Because the idea of being predestined is a foreign concept. I don't deny that. <laughs> the position is not elected by people, so people are mad about it, right? They have no individual choice in who is the king or the queen. It's predestined before they were born. The firstborn son or daughter will be royalty. It is who they are. And from day one that they take the vow and are sealed with the anointing, there is an inviolable connection with God. Dim's fighting words in 2022. Ooh, we don't know how we feel about that. Being chosen, somebody else telling us who we are. That's all right. They're not meant to be, ba- they're not meant to be fighting words. They're meant to be security words, foundational words that you can rest on and stand on and say, this isn't going to change. We are chosen. You are sealed. Have some security that the God in heaven has a plan and that you're not written out of it. But actually in Christ, when you come into the story of what God is doing to extend salvation, not only to people, but to the whole world. When you come into that through Christ, you are adopted in a family and an inviolable work of God. And sealed by his spirit, he has a plan. This passage, I just love God's timing. This passage was so important for me to be studying this week. Um, As we experienced suddenly needing a new location to worship in. I I really practiced. Guys, I practiced. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying I practiced remembering that this is true. I, um, I practiced fasting as soon as I got the news last Wednesday until we sat down and found out a week later and got the news that we were going to have this location. I, I did that so that I would stay dependent upon God. And it was a really sweet eight days. Honestly, my heart has never been so steadfast. I shared last Sunday at Serve Sunday that Psalm 57 has really been speaking to me, which starts with, my heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. It actually repeats it twice because we need it repeated, Right. It was this deep security. I've never experienced anything like it. I was so sure. I was so sure of God's plan. Excel spreadsheet with 21 locations, you know, whatever. Like, I was so sure. So then after I sat down with Taylor and he said, we want you here, right? And that place was now secure. I woke up Thursday feeling awesome, right? Totally secure. God made a way. Man, unfortunately not. (laughs) Like woke up Thursday morning with um, like a, a near panic attack with deep anxiety, honestly. Why? <laughs> well, it took me a couple days to figure out why. I was operating in this false belief about who God is and what he does. I was trusting God for the big things. Location, I can't do that. Redemption? Oh yeah, let's let that be God's plan. That sounds good. Choosing who's in and who's out of the church? Yeah, and that's like, please don't put me in charge. Like, let's let God do that, right? But uh, sound, lights, chairs, 
disappointing people, oh no, that I let all that come back on me. And it was miserable. Thursday was not a good day. I'm sorry if you saw me Thursday night. <laughs> and then I had to go back to Ephesians, right, to prepare for this. And I had to wrestle with that false belief about God. I had to believe again, remember again, I had to confess out loud uh, to Larry and some friends that we were with last night that I'd been operating in false belief. Confess that out loud. Let God speak over me that he is good to me, right? And this morning, I'll be darned, I woke up before my alarm went off and I became conscious as I woke up of the Psalm 57. Like I was already speaking it before I woke up, which says, awake the dawn, awake harp and lyre. My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast within me. That's the work of the Spirit. That's what it looks like to be sealed with the Spirit. To be sure that God's Spirit speaks to us through his word. That his work is complete in Christ. If you are walking in anxiety, if you're walking in rebellion, if you are walking thinking that you're the bee's knees and you have got it all together, friends, you are safer than you know. You are safer than you know. God has a plan for the salvation of the whole world. And in Christ, he has written you into it, that you might be part of the we, the church. Little, little C church, big C church, all time and all eternity, connected with God by the salvation work that Jesus has done for us. When you heard, when you believed, you were sealed. Remember who you are. There is a God in heaven who's done all the work. He chose, he predestined, he redeemed. Like go through, get that whole bullet point list out from Ephesians 1. He has done all of that. And set his spirit on you as a guarantee so that you would remember that he is true. If you have not ever responded in belief, you can. I love that there's a dad who encounters Jesus who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You can respond in belief to this incredible proclamation. You can invite the Holy Spirit to seal you, to help you believe again about the saving work that Jesus has done for you. We're going to give you time as we come and practice communion to believe again what God has done for you to eat bread and juice, to remember who you are and what he has done. And I just want to invite you, you can learn to practice the way of Jesus with us. Is it totally safe? Especially for those of you who've had bad church experiences. I, I, I can only quote C.S. Lewis. Um, God is, is not sa Aslan, the lion. He is not safe, but he is good. And if you'll walk with us, even as we walk in repentance, we would love to invite you to practice the way of Jesus with us, to live out that we are chosen together. Figure out how to define church together. We get to start with what God has done for us. You have been listening to a Kitsap House podcast. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington with in-person worship every Sunday. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you and God bless.